Thank you, Hal. Um, what, I, what I'd like to say is that uh, on the Sunday, just before Christmas, the 24th, uh, we will have service, but we'll probably do as we did last year, um, have one service, probably a little longer service, start a, a little bit later in the morning, um, and uh, possibly working on some special music uh, for that day. Um, but uh, afterwards and subsequent to that, we would have, you know, maybe starting about 1130 or probably maybe closer to 12, we would uh, have our fellowship meal. It worked really well last year. Again, I know that many people travel, but uh, this is an encouragement for you to not just find something to do, but say, yes, come to church on uh, that morning as we would normally do and uh, enjoy a fellowship meal as well as the service. So we'll, we're kind of working on that. I know that m- many people already have plans, but <clears throat> for those of you who don't, uh, don't make any. For those who have, cancel them. You know, and uh, try to be here if at all possible. And I think that's all. Uh, let me just check with the church secretary. Did I get it all? <laughs> for those who don't know, Kathy has been with us for about a week, and it's always a pleasure to see her in the congregation. Um, so please uh, say hello to her. I know you're... When are you going back? When are you heading back? Tuesday. Okay. So uh, it's a great to see you here. Thank you. All right, we have uh, a few seconds here for not only for spiritual preparation, but also for uh, our opportunity for giving. And by the way, while I'm speaking of forgiving, and we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving in this service, uh, I would like to thank you all. And this is sort of extended from the Drugers, from uh, Austin and Vanessa. They are thankful for your prayers. Uh, they um, realize that uh, the prayers are being answered, have been answered, and are being answered, and uh, they, uh, of course, still need them. We're very uh, happy to uh, say that things are going very well. Uh, at least that's the last report I I heard from Vanessa. Some of you have more current ones, but uh, we pray that uh, they will continue to be that way. And the other thing is thank you for those who have donated food. Uh, that has been uh, a, a real blessing for them to be able to get up in the morning and not have to worry a lot about preparation and coming home at night not needing to worry about preparation. So uh, thank you for uh, the work, the help that you've done. And for those who have coordinated, I certainly very much appreciate it. All right. It's now, uh, again, our opportunity for... Uh, for the offering, for our opportunity to reciprocate in love to the Lord for the way that he has blessed us. Um, Apostle Paul tells us that each one should give just as you purpose or you determine in your own heart and to do this not reluctantly nor under compulsion for the Lord loves a gracious giver. Let's take a few seconds closing our eyes and bowing our heads and then I'll open us in prayer.
Dearly Father, we are continually thankful for your extraordinary blessings towards us. You are the Creator God. You are the only God. And you have created this massive universe, but yet you have compassion for us as individuals, failed individuals. And Father, we're thankful more than anything else for your precious gift of your Son, who is our Savior. We pray, Father, as we study about Thanksgiving in this next service, that we will um, truly appreciate, if that's possible, who you are and what you've done for us, and what you tell us in your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Hal and Janet. We are ready. We're going to depart just for one service from James. Give you a break on the uh, sins of the tongue. Hope no one maligns me for doing so. To talk about Thanksgiving. By the way, you have on your before you, I guess I should say, a tract. I'd like to thank Scott for um, having these, you know, purchasing them and getting them up here from um, Wall Builders. This is a tract that comes from uh, David Barton's organization, Wall Builders. Uh, And it is a very important one. As I think Hal said, we have additional ones that they're, they're designed to be a track. They're designed to go to an unbeliever. Or they really are uh, can be designed for a believer as well, someone who needs encouragement or someone just needs maybe a little bit of, of uh, historical guidance, I guess we could say, because um, Thanksgiving is uh, it's not a day about football or... Uh, traveling or whatever it might be. It might be traveling. You could say a lot of people came across the ocean. But the idea here is that Thanksgiving was originally designed as a day set aside. As a matter of fact, one of the original uh, Thanksgiving was more than just a day. They were several days. And throughout our history, throughout American history, we have had days set aside, designated as days of thanksgiving. And they weren't days of thanksgiving that were designed, hey, well, I just need a break here, you know, from work. Or we uh, need to all get together and, and play sports. Or uh, we're, having, we're a little short on chow, so let's get everybody together and maybe we can share. You know, those reasons uh, were developed, I guess you could say, over the years, but the original reasons were to thank God for uh, what he has done for us, uh, his bountiful provisions, we could say, which was how the pilgrims uh, described it uh, in their original Thanksgiving. And, you know, this, it starts out, and I've always been amazed with this, when it talks about the pilgrims in their first couple years here. Um, the tract, the uh, article you have in front of you says, the tradition of Thanksgiving 
as a time to focus on God and his blessings dates back almost four centuries in America. While such celebrations occurred at Cape Henry, and you can, you can, you can see this in our history, uh, people who landed, uh, many, if not most, I think it's a small percentage otherwise, who were coming to America were motivated by their belief in God. And the, uh, the landings very often were immediately, uh, followed by thanking God for safety. Uh, whether it was discovering the Mississippi River, whether it was finding, uh, uh, certain places in the great Southwest, but, uh, thanking God has always been a tradition. And here it says, as early as 1607, it is from the pilgrims that we divide, derive the current tradition of thanksgiving. And this is the paragraph. The pilgrims left England on September the 6th, 1620, and for two months braved the harsh elements of a storm-tossed sea. And it's always been one of those quests, one of those questions of, boy, that was, September was not the best time to be leaving and going to some place where there's no house, no home, uh, no place that you have reserved in the inn. Um, but it says two months, and many of you have probably seen the rather small ship that they were, the Mayflower on which they were traveling. Uh, it's, it had to have been a brutal, and they didn't have a suite. You can say, well, I've been on a couple cruises. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on a couple cruises too. Uh, of course, they were kind of mandated, big gray boats that, that I was on. But they, that's not how they, they lived. I, I find it extraordinary. It says, after embarking at Plymouth Rock, they had a prayer service and began building hasty shelters. But unprepared for a harsh New England weather, weather winter, nearly half died before spring. You know, I, if we arrived, I think they had a little over a hundred, and fifty of us died. Your wife, your husband, children died that first winter. Most of us would probably say, "Well, I." First thing would be, "This is obviously not God's will. He doesn't want us here." So we need to go back, or we need to go somewhere else. But that's not what they did. They buckled down, they worked hard, and God blessed them. And they recognized that. Even through this harsh attrition, 50% attrition, well, that's combat ineffective for any military unit. But, at least that's the designation. But they stayed, and they thanked God. Yet, persevering in prayer and assisted by helpful Indians, they reaped bountiful harvest the following summer. And God sent those Indians, and we're thankful that he did. Uh, The first Indians that the pilgrims tried to encounter uh, had been completely wiped out. Their villages were there, but they had been killed by disease. And... uh, so there were relatively few Indians immediately. But God did send them an Indian. And as a matter of fact, he even spoke English, of all things. How in the world could God have done that? 
The grateful pilgrims then declared a three-day feast in December 1621. I often think of that must have been a mild winter up there, New England. Uh, It's pretty cool most of the time. To thank God and to celebrate with their Indian friends, America's first Thanksgiving festival. This began an annual tradition in the New England colonies that slowly spread into other colonies. Now, in our in the tract here, he has several uh, excerpts from uh, out some of our early Thanksgivings, and many of them occurred during times of great uh, extremists in our nation's history. One of them, if you if you read a little bit about. Uh, the War of Independence, Revolutionary War, and George Washington. George Washington was a man that spent a lot of time on his knees in prayer because it was desperate. There was no way these 13 upstart colonies were ever going to beat the world power. They just came and occupied the cities and tried to find somebody to fight. And for the most part, George Washington was trying to avoid a fight. He wanted to fight, but he couldn't just didn't have the ability, the resources. And the first, one of our very early victories came at Sarasota. And he was so thankful. There was a glimmer of hope. And I believe that that's one of the thanksgivings that we have here in the First Continental Congress. Congress recommends a day of thanksgiving and praise so that people may express the grateful feelings of their hearts and join their prayers that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ to forgive our sins and to enlarge his kingdom, which consists in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, for all those who say you can't find anything about the Bible or about religion in our early forefathers, that we are just completely secular, this is kind of tough to avoid. Jesus Christ mentioned right here. Right above that, that was the Continental Congress. Right above that is George Washington. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the province of Almighty God. We need to do that. We need to thank him for our nation and for his guidance uh, to us. To obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. Now, therefore, I do appoint Thursday, the 26th day of November, 1789, that we may all unite to render unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and provision. Of course, this is later. He is the president. Is uh, We're finishing up with the, uh, uh, the, the new constitution that we have in 89. Uh, notice uh, Thomas Jefferson over here. I appoint a day of public thanksgiving to Almighty God to ask him that he would pour out his Holy Spirit on all ministries of the gospel ministers of the gospel that he would spread the light of Christian knowledge through the remotest corners of the earth and that he would establish these United States upon the basis of religion and virtue that's a wonderful prayer Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War a time when the nation is really torn Uh, on the back page we also have John Hancock which is much earlier this, but John Hancock has a very similar message. But Abraham Lincoln says, we often forget the source from which the blessings of fruitful years and healthful skies come. No human wisdom hath devised 
nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great blessings. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God. I therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States to observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our benefit father, beneficent father, who dwelleth in the heavens. Uh, This is the purpose of thanksgiving, and our forefathers got it right. And, uh, you know, we have a tendency to forget, and uh, our thanksgivings drift very far from the source of our blessings and the reason we can have a thanksgiving. And so it's important for us to do. Now, what what we're going to do here uh, during this service is that once in a while, I will encounter someone when I'm saying, don't forget to be thankful for, to God for what he's done for us. And I will admit, no one really ever says, well, I don't know that he's ever done anything. But you kind of get this look from him. Or uh, I will just surmise that sometimes people say, well, well I don't know, be thankful but after we say, Dear my Father, we're thankful for, then they kind of pause. Well, what is it that we should be able to remember? And of course, there's more than we can mention. But for our day of Thanksgiving, days of Thanksgiving, I thought what I would do is pull together some verses. And from these verses... Uh, see the biblical approach to thanksgiving. And by the way, we we couldn't have gotten through all of them. I had a list, a long list of uh, verses in which the word thanks is mentioned. But I just kind of tried to grab them and sometimes it's difficult to put them in categories. But I chose three categories and we'll see these categories as we go and then when we get to the, the last one, I have ten Ten reasons to be thankful here. Categorize them in three different groups. And then when we finish, then I'll give you a list of about five more that that could have fit anywhere. The first one here, and you saw our first text that we're going to see, is going to be in Psalm. Uh, Psalm 100 in the Psalms, and it's going to be Psalm 107. But we're to be thankful to God for what God has given us. And there are, again, many verses here. And this was the largest category for all the things that he's given us. But um, first of all, and it seems like a wonderful place to start for his unfailing love. And this is the word in Hebrew, chesed. And it can be, um, particularly for Israel, it's his covenantal faithfulness. But we have that same idea. But here we are in Psalm, Psalm 107. So let's turn to Psalm 107. And as I was listing this, we could have read the entire Psalm because it goes on for quite a while, thanking God and exalting him and praising him. But in the very first word here, um, very first sentence, Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And that sense kind of carries down through the entire psalm. Uh, oh, give thanks 
to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy. And this is our word, chesed, and it can be translated, his unfailing love can translate it, his loving kindness, his covenantal love, but most Hebrew scholars recognize this as having uh, a certain love involved. And for Israel and for believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a guarantee, a contract, a covenant with him, the promises that he has made. And it says, for his mercy, his loving kindness endures forever. Goes on, says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now we're going to see redemption here mentioned later. But let's bounce down to verse 8 where it says, Oh, that men, and I think a better translation here is, Oh, let them give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. I can tell you from experience that the holidays are difficult times for many people. Uh, They're difficult because sometimes people are lonely. Sometimes they are uh, maybe disillusioned by what they think should be happening. Uh, Sometimes we call this you know, expectations, unrealistic expectations. But I also like to say that sometimes we have realistic expectations. And those expectations fall very short or are failed. And it's these holidays can be a trying time. Of course, sometimes just getting together with family makes it a trying time and difficult. And there are many families who do not look forward to holidays because of that, because they can be difficult. But the source of a satisfied soul is the Lord. Look no further than the Word of God and God's promises to us. It doesn't make any difference what the circumstances and the conditions are. God can provide for us a satisfied soul. And for those who might say, you know, there wasn't enough, still have hunger, well, your hungry soul can be satisfied. And for most people, it is the hungry soul that is much more difficult to be satisfied than just our normal appetite for food. And therefore, we start with Psalm 107, verses one and then I just include 8 and 9. Uh, you can read the entire psalm. It's an excellent, it's a wonderful psalm. Next, we go, we're going to bounce around in the Bible. His grace given to you in Christ Jesus. Apostle Paul started many of his epistles with grace and peace, but also with thanksgiving. He was thankful uh, for those to whom he wrote and in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.4, he's writing to the Corinthians. 
And you've probably heard either me say it or somebody say, the Corinthians. The Corinthians were a, a rather difficult bunch, and they came by it naturally because the Corinthian church was generally a group of Gentile believers who had no background in the Bible, didn't have the Torah, didn't have the writings or the prophets, the Tanakh as we would describe that. And therefore they had no background uh, sometimes in uh, the normal just decencies of life. And uh, particularly in Corinth, which was a port city. And port cities can be um, can be rough, and that's stating it mildly. When we would pull into ports on cruises, uh, you would see some of the strangest things in some of these port cities. Uh, Naples being one of the chief ones. Uh, Subic Bay... Uh, probably even exceeds Naples. But uh, what goes on in port cities, um, what do they say, makes a sailor blush. Uh, That's a tough thing to do. But they were uh, uh, an evil lot. And Paul spent two years with them, and he writes two long letters to them to correct them, even after the two years he spent with them. And here, in verse 4, he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Now, you'll notice he goes on to say that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance, all the teaching, and all the knowledge that he given to them, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed to you. You know, what Christ had told them. So Paul spent a lot of time teaching them. And he's thankful that they heard it. And he's thankful for them concerning you for this grace that God has given to them. And it comes by way of Christ Jesus. And of course, we have that same. The grace of God that comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. What could be better than to be in union with Christ? to have his imputed righteousness. And we're going to see here in a little bit an inheritance with him. A marvelous and wonderful heritage. And therefore, his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.4 Many of the gifts, we we often uh, say that these are the assets that he's given us, a portfolio of numerous assets that we have to live the spiritual life. Um, I would say that God the Holy Spirit is certainly high on that list. The Word of God as well. These gifts that God has given us. The grace that we have received. And you know, we could name many more. But the fact that we do not need to face the punishment for our own sins. Sins that we've have committed in the past, ones that we continue to commit, (laughs) the ones in the future. They're there, but we're not going to face the penalty. We will receive punishment, we'll be disciplined, but that penalty has been removed.
Three, victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of our favorite passages in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. So we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, Fifty-seven. This is one of the passages, of course, that is often mentioned in funerals. A wonderful time to give the gospel. Uh, it's a time to truly uh, tell those who are there, hopefully, about the uh, the future of the of the believer who has died. Uh, but even if it wasn't a believer, we need to emphasize the gospel. To them and the eternal life that's available. And here, verse 56, some translations are a little different, but verse 56 in my New King James Version says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory. We are nikos here. Nikos. We are victors. We have the opportunity to be victors through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this victory, of course, comes, first of all, in victory over over sin and death. We need not fear death. This is um, just an absolute um, wonderful concept. we could go back in the Old Testament and and read the passages that David addresses, particularly in the Psalms, when he, he says, you will not leave my soul in Sheol, in the grave, uh, and other passages like that. Many passages in the Old Testament refer to the grave, to the pit, to Sheol, uh, that after death, life is not over as far as our immaterial being is concerned. We have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with the Father and with God the Holy Spirit. And that relationship never ends. Even though physical body may die, you know, our souls, spirits are going to live on. So we have victory here through our Lord Jesus Christ. For back into the Psalms. We're going to go back to Psalm 119.62. Psalm 119, 162. Again, one of the, my favorite passages. Just reading through here. Uh, constantly mentioning God's laws, God's judgments, God's statutes. Uh, over and over again. And in Psalm 119, verse 62, it says, At midnight I will rise, rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Uh, the, the entire stanza here that we have is wonderful. Uh, I'm going to go back up to 57. You are my portion, O Lord. And this is, we would say, this is, an inheritance. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, saying someone had a portion meant 
they participated in an inheritance. And to be part of an inheritance in the Old Testament was critical because uh, it was much more difficult to make it on your own. You could, but what you really hoped is to have a portion of the family inheritance. And so here it says, you are my portion, O Lord. There's our our safety net. Not what the family can give us or what we can gain from someone else, although it was certainly important at the time, particularly in Israel. But you are my portion, Lord. And when the Levites did not receive an inheritance in the land, the Lord says to the Levites, I'm your inheritance. Wow! Who wants land of the Lord for an inheritance? It was extraordinary. And it's a tremendous comment. I am your inheritance. Well, he has our inheritance as well. I have said that I would keep your words. I entreat your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word, according to your promises, what you've said. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. It doesn't make any difference. Those who oppose us. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you. And when I read this, who else was giving thanks in the night to the Lord? Praising the Lord, singing songs, in the middle of the night, shackled Paul and Silas. Who in the world? And they, it was dark, probably pitch dark. They're in there singing and praising God. I, here it was. At midnight, I will give rise, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Because, and he's not rising here in the middle of the night because the alarm went off. He's probably, he's got problems, difficulties, maybe even in the midst of them. But what's he say? What's he say? He says, I give thanks because of your righteous judgments, what you have promised, what you are, what I know about you. I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. It's wonderful to have friends, family members, members of the congregation who fall into that same category. They're our companions. We know who they are. We know that they're with us, providing encouragement. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes, the ones that have us praising and thanking him. So that was four. Five, the faith of others to sustain and encourage us. Philemon 4. Some people would say Philemon 1-4, but there's only one chapter. And Philemon is not a place that we spend much time. As a matter of fact, when you're reviewing the verses of the Bible, you know, going through those, instead of counting sheep, you're going through the books of the Bible. Sometimes people can't remember, where, where do we put Philemon? Well, it's uh, 
It's the anchor for Paul's epistles. It comes just before the general epistles, just before Hebrews. Paul's personal letter to Philemon. And therefore, again, just before Philemon, or before Hebrews, we find Philemon. And he says in verse 4 in his letter, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. You know, every now and then, somebody is known as a prayer warrior. And it's wonderful to have them in your life. Because we like to go to them. As a matter of fact, it's a must to go to them with our prayer requests. Would you please pray for me? And when they say, yes, I'll pray for you, you know they will. It's not just a response. Or when someone says, um, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers, they will. We've, that's thrown around very casually today by people that say, I'll keep you in our thoughts and prayers. And I'm trying hard not to judge them. But I think periodically we know it's kind of a throwaway phrase. Or if they do, what kind of a prayer is it? Oh, and dearly, Father, we pray for uh, uh, Sally Joe over here who's having troubles. Thank you. Off to where we're going. No. A fervent prayer is what achieves much. And I have to believe when Paul told someone, I'm praying for you, wow. That was a prayer to be desired. And I'd, I'd like to believe that we in this congregation, when we pray for others, people are saying, I'm so thankful that Fred's praying for me. Or Lulu. I tried to use some names here that might not be in the congregation. But you should, you should hope to be that kind of person. Because prayer is effective. God tells us to pray. And he tells us that he's listening. And he answers prayer. Paul said, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. Always. I, I got to think Paul had a rather long prayer list. And I, I don't know how long ours is. It should be long. And, and it starts with praising God and thanking Him. You can spend a long time doing that. But when you finally get to praying for other people, you know, that's... And, and by the way, it is a real blessing to pray for people. It really is. Whether you know whether that prayer is answered or not, praying for people, there is... And the, well, and the reason it is is because... You're talking to the Father. You're talking to your Father. You're interacting with the God of the universe. You're talking to the God of the universe. <laughs> and the astounding part of this is, He's listening. 
you know, in our humble moments, we would probably say, I really don't have much to say. I don't have much to offer. Shouldn't say that because you do. But to address the Father, you know, we might think it's hard to believe that he would have the time. He does. It's time for all of us. So I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. That This is a remarkable testimony for Philemon because Paul's saying it. Paul's saying, I'm thankful for your attitude towards other believers. Your love and your faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. Then he goes on, verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Jesus Christ. I, I don't want to ruin this, but Paul is setting Philemon, sort of setting him up. He's preparing him. Because one of his reasons for writing this is to say, you've got a slave by the name of Onesimus, and I'd like for you to free him. Hearing your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. He's a believer. Faith and love towards all your saints that the sharing of your love may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing. Good thing that I'm going to ask you to do, Philemon, is to set him free, give him his freedom. Now, Philemon, I don't know if Philemon realized that at the outset, although Philemon's probably a pretty smart guy. probably said, you know, okay, thanks, Paul. So the faith we have for others. All right. We are thank we are to be thankful to God for what God has done. Now this could have been an exceedingly long one as well. But we're to be thankful to God for what He's done. <clears throat> First of all, He has answered my prayer and delivered. Back in whenever we use the word delivered in the Old Testament, in reference to the Old Testament, you can almost guarantee it's going to be translated salvation. But almost 100% of the time, it's a reference to physical deliverance. So, Psalm 118.21. Psalm 118.21. Psalm 118 is a pretty special uh, psalm also. It starts, and I'm just kind of tagging along here, sort of in the middle. But it's it has the sense also of this thanking God for His uh, loving faithfulness. <clears throat> Verse one in Psalm one eighteen says, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good; for His mercy endures forever." This is where we were, and as you read down through that, let Israel now say, "His mercy endures forever." Sort of emphasizing what God really has done for them. Over in 21, it says, I will praise you 
for you have answered me and have become my deliverance. And this is, you know, we can thank God for our uh, positional sanctification. Uh, And we know that we have that. But when we're praying and requesting physical deliverance and we see it, we have it, we know it, that really has, that has tangible results. And I think most of us have been in positions like that. Um, Whether it's an accident, the car, I could give you a story about my car. Got rear-ended. Supposedly wasn't my fault. Don't think it was. I may have played a part. I don't know. I stopped. The person behind me hit me. But as it turns out, the uh, there was a, sort of a snafu problems with the uh, with the insurance companies, and it looked like it get rather expensive for me, even though it wasn't my fault. Well, I mentioned that in prayer. And I'm thanking the Lord for my deliverance. So we can thank him for the deliverance, for things he provides for us. And we should never be concerned about asking for something that we think is too small. Every now and then you'll encounter someone and say, I don't don't really think I want to pray about that. It's kind of small. God cares about the details. If he cares about the sparrow, if he cares about the hairs on your head, then he cares about the details. Seven here, he has redeemed us while we were yet sinners. Kind of tossed this in. Forgot one of my... Or actually, the parenthesis there was supposed to be a quotation mark. But Romans 5, 8, we should be, be thankful... But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And while I don't have the word thanks here, what I decided to do was include this because we absolutely need to be thankful for God for his redeeming work in our lives. Thanking God for our salvation. I don't know how many of us start that way, our prayers. Um, and I'm not trying to establish sort of a rote thing for you to do, but one of the things that I've gotten the habit of doing is thanking God that He is my God, that His Son is my Savior, and that God the Holy Spirit is my sustainer. He is the paraclete. He is the comforter. He is the advocate. He's a sustainer. He's a teacher. And if we've got three members of the Godhead indwelling us, enduring us on a daily basis, we should be thankful. So, he has redeemed us. And they, he did that while we were yet sinners. Eight, he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his saints. Colossians 1.12 Colossians 1.12 It's wonderful 
that we have an inheritance. There, there are many tangible, physical items that we may or may not receive, even though they've been promised to us. There are a lot of people that are depending on the government for a retirement. We may not get it. There are a lot of people that are dependent upon maybe a portion of their family. Wealth. You know, mom and dad doing pretty well. I'm hoping they're going to leave it to me instead of spending it frivolously on themselves. We may not get those. They may not come through. And there's others. But this inheritance that we have from God the Father is as solid as the foundation of the world. We've got it. And I believe that we can also see in Romans 8, 17, that this inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ is even more. We have an opportunity to sit with him on his throne. I think I don't know if that throne is going to be pretty crowded. But he's made that promise that we can be glorified with him. Colossians 1.12 says, giving thanks. Um, just prior to that, hard, the Apostle Paul writes lengthy, lengthy verses. So let's just start with 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers to have a share of the inheritance, and this is in the future, of the saints and the light. Um, so, we we all are going to participate in this. <clears throat> so you can you know, congratulate others for having the same share, same portion. Uh, we're all going to have that. So, you know, every now and then, uh, people are hoping someone kind of gets shut out of the family inheritance. But we don't have to worry about that. There's plenty. God's inheritance is bountiful. It knows no bottom, we could say. And then we are to be thankful to God for who he is. And I've, I couldn't, couldn't pass this up. Again, the word thanks is not there, but in 1 John 1, 9, isn't it wonderful that he's faithful and just? <laughs> We encounter a lot of people in our lives who are not faithful, who say one thing and do another. We rely on them, as we sometimes will say, to carry their part of the burden, to shoulder their load, and they don't. Um, we trust people to keep their uh, promises to us, and they don't. Um, but our Lord Jesus Christ is faithful. He is Truly, uh, a God of integrity. And he's just. He is just. He will do what he says he's going to do. And the justice part of that, where it says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You know, the, the, the remarkable thing about that is that the justice at the cross has already occurred. And we are not only forgiven at the cross, but we're going to be forgiven when 
we name the sin or sins. And there may be more. But we should be exceedingly thankful for that. And then finally, he is the great God. And I decided to go back to the Old Testament in Psalm 95, 1 through 7. Um, I like the psalm, the psalms. Uh, I like them particularly for um, the holidays because the holidays can be exceedingly trying. The holidays have a tendency to get our eyes off the Lord and onto ourselves or onto gifts, onto events, things that we're doing, things that we think are going to make us happy and they don't, or they're not quite what we expected, turn out a little different, somebody fails us, somebody says something. And so reading through the Psalms during holidays is an enjoyable time. And here in Psalm 95, Oh, come let us sing to the Lord. And this is actually a cry, a shout. Um, We should not fear or be apprehensive about being enthusiastic about our praise and our thanksgiving. Demonstrate a little bit of enthusiasm to God for what He's doing. We do that when somebody gives us something we'd like. Oh, wonderful, thank you! Till we open it and find out it's not what we thought it was. Or you got to put it together and can't figure out how to do it. You need a mechanical engineer there to do it. But anyhow, we should be enthusiastic about what God's done in our lives. Why? He is the great God. And He cares for us. He's done more for us than we could have even imagined to do for ourselves. Oh, come, let us sing. Let us shout. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our deliverance. The rock of our deliverance, He can't be moved. Nothing's going to move the Lord. When He's in your corner, we can say, let us, be, let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. That's what we should be doing immediately when we enter His presence. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods, lowercase gods, whatever those might be. And there is not an idol made out of marble, wood, stone, or an item that somebody gives you that ever hears you. I guess they do have responsive things now that can say say something. But, verse 4, In his hand are the deep places of the earth, and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry ground. This is the creator. It's remarkable. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. It's wonderful to be a sheep of the Lord who is our shepherd. He takes care of us. He provides for us. We we need 
worry. We lack nothing, as Psalm 23 says. We needn't worry about it. And that's why we're supposed to be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, in thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6, that's another verse for you. Philippians 4, 6 that you can put down. There's thanksgiving. Of course, we know that we are to be thankful in just about everything. Colossians 1.17 gives us thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything, give thanks. And I like to point out that it doesn't mean we're supposed to be thankful for the calamity, but we're supposed to be thankful in it because the Lord is going to take us through it. And therefore, these are wonderful, wonderful verses for us to remember. And then... Ephesians 5.20, where we are told to be thankful in everything. And then, if you need an Old Testament, one another great one is Psalm 100, verse 4. Great Thanksgiving passage. So, for Thanksgiving, uh, do not think you are short of items to thank God. Just thanking Him for who he is will take you a long, long time. And then add for what he's done for you. Add that to that list. And when you're finally done, you can thank him for all the things that you recognize that he has done for others, answered prayer, and for how he's provided for us. And God has blessed us remarkably. I'm thankful for this congregation. I'm thankful for uh, your faithfulness, your devotion to your God, to his word, to this body of Christ. I always like to couch it as the body of Christ. Every now and then somebody will say, well, how's your congregation doing? I just I always have a hard time with that. Yes, I understand it. I don't know what it means, and it's true. But I always see this as the body of Christ and me being just a member of it. Let's be thankful this Thanksgiving. I know many of you are traveling. Pray for your travels. By the way, I would also like for you to know we are now about at one year in this new location. Please be thankful for what we have here. And as I mention that, I mention to you that God made it possible for us to have this location. And it was a bit of a stretch for us financially. Please keep that in mind. I'm not petitioning for sums here, but very often people at the end of their, of their year are trying to decide to whom they would like to give. Well, we decided as a congregation that this is where we wanted to be, and we knew at the time that it was going to be something that was going to be a challenge for us to meet. I just ask for you to keep that in mind uh, because I think it will it will be so going forward. But God provides. And I, I think you know that he often provides through us. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to you. We're thankful for what you have done, who you are and what you've done for us. We're thankful that we not only can come to you in prayer, but you demand that we come to you in prayer. Come to me. Pray. Speak to me. Bring your requests. Bring your concerns.
The least we can do is to be obedient in that regard. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today who is without Christ, without hope, and doesn't have a sense of eternity, doesn't understand their inheritance that you can provide through the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will realize that all that can be resolved by simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as the personal Savior. He has provided for us at the cross forgiveness, the atonement, so that you might be propitiated, you might be satisfied, that we might be reconciled, be brought close to you, and that we might be redeemed through his sacrificial work on the cross. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for these truths. We're thankful that that is the way you've given it, and it's simple. We ask again your blessing for us at Thanksgiving, even though we will not be meeting here Wednesday night as a, uh, the body of Christ. We pray, Father, that we will remember who you are, what you are, what you've done for us, not just us, for others and for our nation. And we will be thankful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.